Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, welcome to Good For A Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Cressy Cornus. And I'm MK Ashburn. And today I am so excited for this episode because I love things like this. We are doing 2020 Taylor Swift wrapped. This time of year is my favorite time of year because we get all of those listicles. That's like the best movies this year, the best albums this year, the best singles this year. And I love it. I love it. And we're doing that, but for everything Taylor did this year. Yeah. I love those lists too, because they help me realize what I missed and I can catch up on what I missed in the best of the year. Exactly. Before we get into Taylor, should we share our own Spotify wrapped? That's embarrassing for me. I can't lie. Mine's pretty bad too. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to pull it up. Yeah, me too. I screenshotted all of it. But mine was embarrassing, and MK almost almost got me to post the uncensored one on my story, but I just pretended I did not see her reply to it, asking me why a sticker was covering up two of them. But don't worry, I will be revealing that on the podcast today. Oh, I did not even remember that. <laughs> That's so funny. My top artists, I'll go five to one. Start okay. at the bottom and go up. Okay. Five, the 1975. Okay. Four, Casey Musgraves, which I feel interesting. like is interesting because she used to be in my top five always, and I just didn't expect it this year. Three, One Direction. <laughs> nice. Classic MK on brand. <laughs> I was also surprised about that, though. Two, Harry Styles, one, Taylor Swift. Ooh, shocker. <laughs> Okay. Mine is five Arctic monkeys. Okay. Because I'm just like, not like other girls. I'm so different and indie and just like. Yeah. I'm expecting yours to be really quirky. I'm so quirky. And number four is Lord Huron. Again, I'm just like so like deep and mystical and like different. Number three, Lord, another indie underground artist that I love. I'm waiting for her to become mainstream, honestly. Yeah, she's a secret. Number two, another well-kept secret, Harry Styles. Mm. And number one, Taylor Swift. Wow, you're not like other girls. <laughs> I'm so different. Okay, I was trying so hard to break the point something percent this year. That was my goal of the year. Mm -hmm. I played Taylor Swift all the time. When she would drop things, I would play it on my phone silently all day. Like, I, I tried my hardest. There's a lot of us. I'm in 1%. I'm 1% too. I only had 5,763 minutes. I don't have mine screenshotted and I don't feel like going through the thing again, but I'm sure mine was similar if mine was 1%. I know. Well, I did get really into podcasts this year, so I feel like maybe that's what held me back, you know? Yeah. So what were your top five songs? Oh, my top five songs were, oh, this is also embarrassing. Mine is so embarrassing. Four out of five of them are from Harry's house. 
So it was Daylight was number one, Late Night Talking, Grape Juice, Bejeweled, and then Cinema. Bejeweled. Wow. And there was not a lot of time for you to get Bejeweled on there. You had like a month. No, that song is a bop. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. Wow. You must you listened to the hell out of that to get that on your top. Because you had like, what, like 15 days to get that in your top five? <laughs> Yeah, and I did it. That's insane. <laughs> I love Bejeweled. Wow. Yeah. It's not, I didn't think it was my favorite song on the album, but I think when I go to listen to it, I always want to listen to that first because it's so fun. Yeah. So mine, five to one. Okay. Music for a sushi restaurant. Okay. Okay, Old Navy commercial. This one's embarrassing. This one's embarrassing. But I have to give an explanation before I say what it is. I have a playlist called Hot Girl Walk. And this is the first song on that playlist. So whenever I start this playlist, I listen to this song. So it's kind of like how last year on my 2021 wrapped, the one was my number one Spotify song. And that's just because I started Folklore from beginning, you know? Yeah. It wasn't really my number one. So even though this is my number four, I don't know if it's accurate, but it's just because I listen to this playlist all the time because I walk like two to three miles every day. Mm -hmm. Doses and Mimosas by Sherub. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. It's a good song though. It's a good song. It is, but you're like 10 years too late. That's so funny. I know. But you guys, listen to that song when you're on a power walk. It really makes you pick up your step. I know. It would be hard like for me not to sing in the streets. I love that yeah, song. It's a good walking song. So that's my number song. four. Number three is Off My Mind by Joe P. I learned that song from TikTok. I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast would know. He's kind of a smaller artist, and I'm being genuine when I say that. I'm not doing my not like other girls shtick. But he has this line in that song where he says... And I still put my hand around the headrest of my Honda Accord. And it just, that line scratches a part of my ear and brain in a way that not many lines do. And I don't know why, but I listened to it just to hear that one line of the song. But anyway, it's called Off My Mind by Joe P. Okay. It's a bit of an earworm. I recommend it. And then number two, Cardigan, of course. Wow. Number one, As It Was. The lead single? It's true. It's, you know, it's just not the same as it was. Okay. Interesting. I listened to that on repeat after I listened to two songs on repeat after I um, had an anaphylactic reaction. I listened to as it was because like, you know, it's just not the same as it was. Now I have to carry around an EpiPen. And then I listened to Not Dead Yet by Lord Horan on repeat too. Because I was like, yeah, I'm not dead yet, bitch. Oh I'm still God. alive. Try again, allergies. That is so funny. I can't believe that. So I, I'm sure that's why As It Was is number one, because I listened to it so much after my my weed near-death experience. Sidebar kind of, but I know for a fact that Spotify Wrapped is accurate and doesn't take up, like, take mess-ups into account, because I specifically remember last year, I put on, oh, what was it? I did something bad. And I put it on while I was packing for a trip. And three and a half hours later, I realized that I had been listening to I Did Something Bad the whole time. Wow. Like, I was so unfazed by the fact that I had listened to it for throughout. Like, it kept starting over and I, I wasn't even phased. I just kept listening. And I would sing it. I would dance. Like, I was into it. 
for three and a half hours and I was like that's gonna be my number one song like how could it not be and it wasn't so they're doing something right with that algorithm it's not like if you think like oh I like accidentally listened to that for too long once like no they're being it's for real I will say though my 2020 wrapped was all rain sounds because I made the mistake of listening to a certain rain playlist to fall asleep. And you know how it plays it in the background? It was just like the whole time. And I was like, what? And I now use a different app for that. Yeah. So it, it does not take that on for account. Oh, that's really funny. That was too much though. They were like, no, she really loves this song. It was so disappointing because it was just like, shh. Mm-hmm. That is really sad. Yeah, so now I use the Alarmy app. They've got an excellent array of rain sounds on there. So now let's get into Taylor. What are her milestones and stats and awards? What's her wrapped list look like, MK? Our statistician, MK, did a lot of research for this episode. This is going to be a little all over the place because I didn't really know how to put this in an order. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think what I think would be the biggest milestone of the year. Speaking of Spotify wrapped, a good segue. Taylor Swift was Spotify's second most streamed artist overall and the most streamed female artist of the year, which was a repeat of 2021. She was also top female artist last year. She is number two to Bad Bunny. He was number one. Ah, figured. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, he's huge. Interesting. I don't know people. I only know like one person that listens to Bad Bunny, but. Like internationally, he's huge. And Midnight's notched the number four spot on the U.S. most streamed albums. It dropped in late October. So the fact that it was number four for the entire year on Spotify is very impressive in my opinion. That is, that's only two months. That's crazy. And this is kind of random, but according to Spotify as well, she was the most viral, quote unquote, artist of the year because she was the most frequently shared from Spotify to social media platforms. That makes sense. We do love to put Taylor on our stories. We love it. Oh, you know (laughs) when Taylor drops that day, every girl's story is just her. I did. And when I look at people's stories and I see girls posting and it's not Taylor Swift, I note that. It's definitely a note for the audio. And that's just a fact. So another huge, huge feat, I think the second biggest probably, is when Midnight's dropped that she occupied the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 for the first time in history. No other artist has ever done that. And to me, that's just honestly crazy. That was one of the moments where when I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, she's iconic. Like, not even Adele can do that. Not Drake. No one. Only Taylor. No, but, like, even thinking back to, like, I don't know. It, it it blows my mind when she gets into the categories with these kinds of records that she breaks. That when she gets into these categories with people like Elvis and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. And, like, that is what really makes me pause and think, like, oh, my God. Like, she is that. She is that bitch. She is the moment. She is the music industry. She is our generation. It's nuts. She was the first artist to win Video of the Year three times at the VMAs. 
This says that she won it for Bad Blood. You need to calm down. Oh, and All Too Well, because All Too Well is a new video. <laughs> okay, that was embarrassing. I was thinking the old one, then I was like, what's the new one? But it was definitely this one. This short film. Yeah. So All Too Well actually brought in a lot of records and accolades. She, at the VMAs, won Video of the Year, Best Long Form Video, and Best Direction. All in one night for All Too Well short film. Wow. At NYU's graduation this year, she received an honorary doctorate in fine arts and gave the commencement speech. And that also gave us the Easter egg, you're on your own kid. Oh my gosh, I know. We had no idea. That was so cute. I And I think about that speech every time I listen to Labyrinth, because she also said, breathe in, breathe through, breathe deep, breathe out. I think about that one more than you're on your own kid. Nashville Songwriters Association International made her the Songwriter of the Decade. So that was cute for her to be able to go home and accept that award. She performed All Too Well 10-Minute Version at the Ryman Theater, which is crazy. And no one knew she was either. That was amazing. I know. Uh, Midnight's ended up earning more than 2.6 million album units since its release. It was the most top 10 hits from one album, and it tied her with Barbara Streisand for the most number one albums on the Billboard 200 among women, which I love that fact because I feel like Barbara Streisand is such an icon. And the fact that she is like up there with her again, it's like, Mm-hmm. it's surreal to hear things like that and it was also the first album to sell over a million copies in one week since reputation and she's the only artist in history to have two of those All right, now let's slide into Taylor's social media use this year. I had so much fun collecting this data. I made an Excel sheet. I typed everything out. I added categories. And let's start with her Instagram. She posted 30 times this year. That's a lot compared to years past. We went like a year and a half with zero. So 30 in one year is pretty big. That is good. Her total amount of likes is almost a billion. It's 98.8 million right now. And her average likes per post is around 3.3 million. Her most popular post this year was her Midnight's announcement at 8 million likes. Now I want to play a game with MK. Okay. A little quiz portion. A little Gamer Girls. Question number one. Taylor's least like photo this year has 1.9 million likes. Which post is this? A. The Lavender Haze explanation video. B. The announcement of the acoustic version of Antihero, or C, Where the Crawdads Sing trailer. Where the Crawdads Sing trailer. False. It's the Lavender Haze explanation video, which is crazy to me because that blew up on TikTok. We don't have time to get into that, but it blew up on TikTok but it's her least liked Instagram video or and photo. That's interesting. I was going to say that at first, but then I was like thinking that Midnight's Mayhem with me was so big that I feel like that one would have gotten big, like bigger than where the crowd had sing. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many trailers did Taylor Swift post this year? One, 
two or three. And let me clarify, I mean a traditional trailer, not clips, behind the scenes things, like a traditional trailer. Trailer for other movies? Mm-hmm. For movies. I think three. Three. The answer is two. She posted a trailer for The Crawdad Sing and The Summer I Turned Pretty. Okay. What percentage of her Instagram posts were videos this year? Anywhere from zero to 100%. What do you think? 30%. Close. 50%. Oh, wow. Out of her 30 posts, 15 were videos. That's interesting. And out of these 30 posts, how many posts were about midnights? 17. 20. Ooh. So one third, two thirds, two thirds. Dang, I'm close. I was thinking that. I was like, it's definitely more than half. Don't worry. We've got more, more quizzy quizzes to go. Okay. Uh, let's go on to her Twitter. Her Twitter wasn't that interesting this year. She kind of just shared the same things on Instagram, on Twitter, but even less. Mm-hmm. But... I will share that her average retweets was 47,000 and her average favorites was 283,000. It's pretty big. Her most popular tweet was about Damon Albrum. If you remember that, he is the lead of the band, The Gorillas. That's when she tweeted, at Damon Albrum, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try to discredit my writing. Wow. And then she replied to that tweet. P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself in case you're wondering. And this, of course, is about the gorillas guy saying that Taylor doesn't write her own stuff, which was the dumbest thing he could have done. I know. That's so embarrassing for him. And he compared her to Billie Eilish. And be like, well, Billie actually writes her stuff, which is like the worst comparison because her brother writes them. There's like <laughs> famously so. A There's a documentary, documentary about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that tweet got 168,000 retweets and 732,000 favorites. Her second most popular tweet this year was her retweeting Michelle Obama regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and that got 147,000 retweets and 827,000 likes. Nice. Lastly, TikTok stats. She was very active on TikTok this year, which was very exciting. She posted 25 times with an average of 14.7 million views on each one. So, MK, do you want to guess... Which was Taylor's most viewed TikTok this year? Was it draw the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man? The first Midnight's Mayhem post or the anti-hero Roosevelt remix announcement? Oh, come on. It's definitely this, the first Midnight's Mayhem. False. For some unknown reason, it's the anti-hero Roosevelt remix announcement that has 52.3 million views. Those, that's ridiculous. And there were so many anti-hero remixes and they're all terrible. I know. Wow. Okay, last quizzy quiz question. Which of Taylor's Midnight's Mayhem was the most popular? Was it Snow on the Beach? Vigilante shit or karma. Those are actually, that's hard because Lana Del Rey 
or probably karma. I'm going to say it's karma. It's Snow on the Beach oh. with 13.2 million views. Wow. Lana Del Rey. She's not even in it. Her power. <laughs> <laughs> She's not even in it. It was a lie. And that is Taylor Swift's social media usage this year. Wrapped. So let's get into her drama. Hmm? What was happening this year with Miss Swift? So her drama record was kind of clean, to be honest. Not as bad as I was expecting because I feel like she's usually, I don't know, in a little bit of heat. But she really wasn't this year. I think one of the biggest stories that broke this year was this summer when all the magazines started running that her and Joe were engaged. Mm. And I know that this rumor comes through the mill every once in a while, but this one, I think it made it to some really big magazine, like People or something crazy, where everyone started being like, okay, this is probably true. But neither of them had said anything, so we're still calling it a rumor. But that was a very big time in the fandom because even I kind of believed it for a second. Mm -hmm. And they might be, who knows, but... I think she's in the lavender haze. <laughs> the second biggest story I would say is probably the Ticketmaster drama. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, so obviously Ticketmaster sold 90% of the tickets in the very first day of the sale, which is insane. Scary. Um, on the pre-sale, they canceled the general sale. Very big deal. And it caused such an outrage that Ticketmaster is now legally being looked into by Congress, which I think is very, very big power on Taylor's part. I also think we should take a moment, MK, you and I, to release a formal apology a formal statement on GFAW's behalf for our Eras Tour ticket buying episode where we repeatedly state, don't worry, there's plenty of tickets. You're going to get them. She always <laughs> takes care of us. She uh, With the verified fan, it's going to be okay. I'm embarrassed. We were wrong and we're sorry. Ticketmaster made a fool out of us. They dragged us through the mud and... Like MK said, we are embarrassed. But this has never happened before. I'm embarrassed. I mean, like, should we take that down? Like, that was bad. We're liars. Yeah, we consider this an official retractment of that entire episode because Ticketmaster did not hold up their end of the bargain. Okay. How are we to know? If it were like any other tour, that would be a perfect episode. But no, alas, we are embarrassed. <laughs> We're sorry. So sorry, everyone. So sorry. <laughs> so embarrassing. Another big thing that's been going on this year are the two lawsuits holding back 1989 and Speak Now from getting re released as re-recordings. So if you aren't aware, for 1989, the lawsuit is surrounding Shake It Off. It is surrounding copyright and plagiarism. So there is a band called... 3LW. They have Sean Hall and Nathan Butler 
in it. I don't know these people. I don't know this band. But these two guys in this band claim that she stole the phrase, player's gonna play, hater's gonna hate from these people. Mm-hmm. As if that's not a common term. But whatever. They had a 2001 song called Play Is Gonna Play. And I, it, it literally says P-L-A-Y-A. Play Is Gonna Play. Mm-hmm. Notably, Taylor says players. I'm not just saying it like that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they say players gonna play and haters gonna hate in the song. And the case was dismissed back in 2018, but they appealed it and it got brought back up. So, and it's been ongoing ever since that appeal. Taylor claims that both of these statements fall into public domain. She thinks it's like a general phrase that everyone uses. I agree. Do you want to add that the case was settled? Yes. However, it's confusing because apparently... It doesn't say whether or not they settled. The judge just dismissed it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they did settle or if she gave them anything. I couldn't find anything about that. We'll never know. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know how that worked. It just says the Mm -hmm. judge dismissed it. So it could have been that she did settle. I don't know. We're out of the woods. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And she can release 1989 whenever she wants. So fingers crossed we get that soon. Well, actually, I don't know. I feel like we've been fed pretty well this year. Yeah. I could take a second, you know, and enjoy Midnight some more. But I could also listen to Out of the Woods Taylor's version. Oh, I could listen to that too. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That just sounds really nice right now. Yeah. The second one was more about trademarking of Speak Now. So I didn't know this, but apparently if you trademark something, that can expire. It only takes 10 years for a trademark to expire. She filed for the trademark of the words Speak Now in June of 2011. So it expired in December 2021. And when she went to reapply for the trademark Speak Now Taylor's version, it was denied because some company called OnePlus Electronics filed for that trademark um, on February 3rd, 2021 for this technology of live voice activated products, which makes sense. Okay. I I was going to say a technology company. That's stupid, but now I get it. I know. I get it. I do. The biggest issue about this is they're worried about her marketing products that have to do with technology. Like if she was marketing phone cases that say speak now, they're worried that the consumers would get confused. That is a sticky situation. That's rough. I get it. But also like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Like, I think people will know if it's a Taylor Swift phone case or your voice activated technology. Yeah, just get better SEO. Get some Google ads. It's going to be fine. Apparently the company had to submit an argument to like the United States Patent and Trademark Office, but that hasn't been settled. So ongoing. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the drama of the year. Not much else has happened. Um, you brought up one of the Twitter things where she tweeted someone about saying that she doesn't write her songs, but other than that, she laid pretty low. So now let's talk about what's next for Taylor. Now that we've wrapped 2022 
in preparation for this section, I watched a million Taylor interviews, including her most recent Directors on Directors with Variety. That one was, I think, 46 minutes long, but it wasn't worth the watch. It might be one of the longest amounts of time you can listen to Taylor just talk, like interrupted, without any music breaks or anything. Because even when you think about her documentary, you know, she's singing throughout it. But in this, she's just chatting. So if you don't know what Directors on Directors is, it is a yearly thing that Variety does, Variety Magazine. They do actors on actors and directors on directors. There might be others, but those are the two that I know. And they get notable people of each profession to just talk with each other and just have a casual conversation, talk about their craft, talk about what acting, whatever, the business. This year... For one of theirs, it was Taylor and Martin Mc... I literally Googled how to say his name and I watched a YouTube video on how to pronounce his name and I've already forgotten. Martin McDonough. I am so sorry, Martin. I know you're a listener of this show. Obviously, as a famous director, I know this show is very important to you. I did look up how to say your name, but I forgot. I believe it's McDonough. We love you, Martin. (laughs) Shout out to Martin. He's married to Phoebe Waller-Bridges. Oh, fun fact. Yeah, that gets brought up. So anyway, they chatted in the video. It's a very interesting listen, but this did get a little bit of backlash this week and last week because people do not think that Taylor was deserving of this because this slot traditionally goes to directors of feature films. And Taylor has directed 10 music videos and one short film, the All Too Well short film. So people weren't too happy about it and I get it, but also does it matter? You know, like it's fine. It doesn't matter. That's really dramatic. I think it's interesting that they brought in like two different types of directors to have a diverse conversation. Yeah. And it was an interesting conversation to me. I highly recommend you guys look it up on YouTube, but we also learned from Variety, and this is what I'm so excited to discuss, that Taylor is directing a feature film. Quote, Taylor Swift will be making her feature directional debut with Searchlight Pictures. The singer, songwriter, and director has written an original script, which will be produced by the Oscar-winning studio behind Nomadland and The Shape of Water. Side note, I'm interjecting. Also, Juno. Excellent movie. I love when Jason Bateman is a villain. Continuing the quote. Other key details, like a plot and casting, are being kept under wraps until a later date. But landing the project from one of the world's most successful musicians is a coup. End quote. This is so exciting because we know she has such a talented brain for writing fictional stories and she's been limited to like three minute songs. So a traditional feature length film, I'm having trouble even fathoming that. I know. And I'm so excited. If she can illustrate an entire love triangle in three songs dispersed on an album, yeah. I think, oh my gosh, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. Obviously, this also did get some backlash. If you are a member of the subreddit Popheads, you saw this as well. People are looking at Taylor just grabbing for an EGOT, that trying to get an EGOT real bad, being thirsty about it. And I don't know. I think if you're rich enough, you should just try whatever you want. I mean, who cares at the end of the day? This movie could flop. Who cares? You know? 
if it's a bad movie, it's not going to win. Yeah, that and you have to have some kind of talent to convince people to let you make a movie, even when you're Taylor Swift. Like Harry Styles could not waltz in somewhere and be like, yeah, I'm going to direct a movie. Like, no, you're kind of not great at acting. So we're not going to let you do that. Exactly. I think, yeah. And if it's bad, it's bad. Like she knows what she's doing. I don't think she would do it if she thinks she's going to embarrass herself. And she has this amazing studio behind her that's not going to want to embarrass themselves. Yeah. So there's going to be a standard to this. Um, Also, I'd like to add, some people think this might be based on the last great American dynasty. Others have speculated maybe it's about the the love triangle from folklore. Um, But no one knows a damn thing. I hope it's about Holiday House. I think that would be incredible because there were those tweets about it years ago, if you remember. With that guy from Modern Family. Jesse Tyler Ferguson? Yes. He tweeted about wanting to start a movie about it. And Blake Lively as well. Interesting. Yeah. So fingers crossed. We have no date or anything yet, but I'm super excited with that news. And lastly, something else we know that is coming up is the Eras Tour. And I don't think we've mentioned this on the podcast yet. MK and I did get tickets. Oh, we got some tickets, baby. We, I feel like that scene in Rocky where he's like running, you know, and he's got his arms up. Like that's me with these tickets. We were originally planning to go to multiple shows. Quickly learned that that was just not going to happen. So we decided to ball out on one show. MK is going to two shows, so... Yes, MK got very lucky. Yeah, I did. My sister invited me to a show too. So I will be going to two, but the second one will be the one we ball down on. I'm excited to have like a little pregame with my sister in like a lower bowl seat and then yeah, go to the floor, baby. I mean, do you really want to know where we were on April 29th? We were in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Karma Is My Boyfriend VIP package that I fought for. My eyes were bloodshot. Six hours. I took off work. I gave everything. Cressy was in the trenches. It cost everything. But anyway, we got tickets, so we will definitely have an episode after that. And that's all we know. We have no idea what Taylor's version's coming next. We don't know when the Lavender Haze music video is coming out. That's allegedly a thing. But I'm really excited. I know. Anything else you want to add, MK, before we get into our nightmares and daydreams? I don't think so. I think I am just excited for the year ahead because I think we're going to take a little bit of a breather between Midnight's and the tour. I really don't think she's going to drop anything. So yeah, I'm excited to... Just keep living in this era and let it be a full era. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Awesome. So what is your nightmare this week? My nightmare is My Policeman. Okay. I watched the Harry Styles movie, My Policeman. It's out. All right. Yeah. I haven't heard. Oh, yeah. It's been out for a while. Um, I watched... It must be horrible then. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) If I didn't know that. Yeah. I watched it on Hulu. Okay. Good to know. Um, so I watched it from the comfort of my own home. It took three sessions to get through it. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what the genre is. I guess just drama. Yeah. Romantic drama. Period piece, right? Sort of. Like 70% of it is set in like the 50s. So yeah. is that 
or the 1900s now being able to be called period pieces anything other than like today okay yeah so i guess but it just like it wasn't like that big of part of the story i guess except for the homophobia because that was intense just that little tiny part of it you know they like went to jail for it but you know yeah so it, it was just really boring there's really no other word to say and i love movies one out of five stars what what would it be two and a half okay yeah because it's a good movie honestly the acting wasn't bad i didn't think um i liked the story and i'm like i'm kind of a movie snob like i'm down for a serious movie like doesn't have to have action or comedy like too much romance but it was boring okay over under its rotten tomato score do you think it's over or under 50 percent? under 44 yeah on metacritic it is exactly 50 percent. yeah see so you have a pretty um you seem to line up with the other reviews it was trying you know it had potential but it was so slow and just like quiet like it was just oh it was a little excruciating at times but anyway that's my nightmare sad about it because obviously i love harry but he did act better in that than he did in don't worry darling so there's that my nightmare is also a movie it is the murderville christmas special on netflix so let me back up and explain what murderville is mk do you know what murderville is i don't okay it is a netflix show with will arnett he is the star of the show and he plays a detective okay and it's a comedy and every single episode there is a famous guest typically a comedian but there have also been sports stars and everyone on set has a script that they're following including will arnett but the guest doesn't and they just have to play along as they're trying to solve a murder and it's like a whodunit, but it's very funny. It's very silly. It's actually really good. I highly recommend watching it. But I hated the Christmas special because skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear the name of the special guest. Skip now. At the very end, Pete Davidson shows up and he just did not play along well. He's not good at improv. Like, I think he's a funny comedian. And also, I do want to say I'm not good at improv. I'm good at stand up. So I'm not like being mean but he's not good at improv he's good at snap he's not good at improv and he just kind of ruined the whole vibe it it was such a fun journey with Maya Rudolph and Jason Bateman as the guest host trying to play along and go along with this script that they didn't know the words to they were amazing and then freaking redacted in case you've skipped ahead 15 seconds uh, shows up and just ruins it Mm -hmm. so that's my nightmare but I do recommend the rest of the series it's actually really fun Poor Redacted. That's kind of embarrassing for them. <laughs> I feel like they should be considering their previous career. Yeah. You know, we can't win them all. But anyway, your daydream. My daydream. This is going to be basic as hell. But it's basic for a reason. It's really good. The White Lotus. Okay. I love it. I And I didn't see the first season. And I just started it Sunday. That doesn't mean anything to the people listening. No, for the audio, this is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. So I started it three days ago. I finished season one in two days. I was addicted and I 
didn't get to watch it last night, but I'm like halfway through season two. So I really like White Lotus. Um, okay. I don't know. Is that on Hulu? It's on HBO Max. Okay. HBO Max. And then like Hulu, if you have the, you know, the add on. Gotcha. Premium. Well, yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. I don't know. There's not much I'll say about it because I feel like it's so basic and everyone knows about it already. But it's really good. You should watch it. You know what it is, right? It's been on my list for a lo- yeah. It's been on my list for a very long time. I am uh, in the trenches of Twitter still, as most people on Earth know. Twitter has been dying for quite some time. It's just a big explosion, and right now it's just horrible. I haven't been on Twitter in two years. Uh, so this guy named Elon Musk bought Twitter, and then he fired like all of the community moderators. It's a whole thing. I don't want to get into it. There are other podcasts that cover it, but it's, and people have like left and protest. Like a lot of celebrities are off the Twitter and protest. And I'm just like, like the orchestra on the Titanic going down with the ship. Cause I don't want to miss anything, but white Lotus is always on Twitter. And that's like one thing that I hate when something is like collectively in our zeitgeist and I'm not a part of it. Mm. So it's been on my list for a really long time, but I just haven't gotten around to watch it yet. You should watch it. It's easy to get sucked in and there's only six episodes in the first season and like six or second in the second. So it's really quick. Like you can get it done in a couple days. Okay. Noted. Yeah. All right. My daydream is SZA's new album. I love it. I agree. I love it too. What's your favorite song? Um, Oh, what is it? I'm sorry. I've only listened to it a couple times and there's so many songs. I know. I, it is a bloated album. That's what I was going to say. I'm surprised. I thought about making it my nightmare because of how bloated it is. I think they definitely could have cut it down because a lot of the songs are like a minute and a half and I would rather have less songs that are longer, but I still love it. My favorite is Special. That song is excruciating. That song is so sad. Mine is the most popular. Kill Bill. But it's the popular for the reason. Kill Bill. It's good. It's a good song. It is good. I know it's a basic answer, but it's good. I know. That would be like my my maybe my true answer, but now I love yeah I love special that because it's just so sad and like so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like when you just start dating a loser and then afterwards, especially if they break up with you and you're like, what? What does this mean? Like <laughs> you were never supposed to break up with me, and now I'm a giant loser too. <laughs> this is devastating for my brand. Yeah. No, really relatable because I don't know how to pick them. <laughs> anyway, this concludes the 2020 Taylor Swift wrapped episode of Good for a Weekend. Thank you guys for listening. This has been so fun. There's a chance you're going to see clips of this on social media because MK and I are experimenting with a new podcast platform that will also provide visuals. Who knows what we're going to do with these? Put them on the clock app, maybe put them on YouTube. Who knows? We're going to play with it. That's going to be one of our 2023 goals. But in the meantime, while we're figuring out how to edit videos, you can connect with us on social media. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at GFA Weekend on most platforms, um, Instagram, probably the most popular, and then TikTok, second most popular, different name, at Good for a Weekend Podcast. Come hang out with us and talk to us. You can talk to us on Discord. I love Discord. You can come be in a group chat with all your favorite Swifties. Yeah, and that link will be in our show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we will see you guys next
time, our next episode will be our annual predictions episode. So get ready. Very nervous for that one. I think we may embarrass ourselves again, but you've done pretty good in the past, right? I did two years ago. This year, I did not. I don't think I predicted a damn thing. But two years ago, I got like all of them right. Like I predicted the Kimye divorce. I think I predicted the Scooter Braun. Like I predicted everything. And then I used all my luck that year. And then the next year I got, it was like zero for zero. Mm. Well, it's really impressive though. So I'm excited to take a stab at it. Yeah. So we'll see y'all next time. And I hope you guys all have a happy holidays and a wonderful new year. Yeah. See you next year. Is that lame to say? See you next year. (laughs) I love it. Bye guys.